Welcome to Sky Team's People First with Morag Barrett. Welcome to this week's episode of People First, and I'm excited to introduce to you my guest, Evan Sohn, who is the CEO and founder of Recruiter.com. Evan brings with him multiple years of experience in industry and in business, and I'm looking forward to tapping in and learning more about his leadership journey. So Evan, first off, welcome to People First. Thank you so much for having me. Really, really appreciate it. I'm, I'm excited to be part of the conversation. All right. So we're going to start with your origin story, the how did you get to where you are today? But let's flash back. You're in elementary school. The teacher's got your attention. She's saying, Evan, what's your childhood dream? What do you want to be when you grow up? What was your answer? You know, the uh, it's a great question. I, uh, I had a phenomenal uh, uh, sixth grade teacher, and uh, I wanted to be like him. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I, I, uh, I loved it. You know, he had this great rapport with the, uh, with the, with my classmates. Uh, so yeah, I want, you know, I, I liked being that educator that, that, that went away very quickly, but you said a wee lad. So I, I think that's really elementary school. <laughs> so by then it was really, uh, but I, I always had an entrepreneurial bent. Um, so, uh, to myself, you know, even as a young kid, I was always making money doing different things, you know, uh, so I, I was always, I always had that entrepreneurial spirit, even at a young age. Okay, so I'm gonna have to ask, because you can tell from my accent, I'm not around here, but I immediately picture you behind the stereotypical American lemonade stand. So is that one uh, of the things where you were making money? Or how did you yeah, make you money know, initially? So, so the <laughs> even younger, um, we had a I had, a, I had baseball cards, you know, baseball cards. That, no. uh, so, and yeah. there was a, there's a concept of flipping baseball cards. It was just a kid's game. And uh, if you knew the teams, you knew their colors and you were the smarter, you knew the players and the colors, the better you can do just by knowing their name. You would see a name, John Doe. Oh, they're on this team with this color. And it sort of gave you an insight. And I didn't know any of that stuff, but I knew a few, uh, two kids who actually really, really did know. So I actually would give them a wad of cards every day, let them go flip for me. They would flip through the day, make, you know, come back with a huge giant stack. And I would actually give them, you know, uh, a segment of that stack. I don't even know what percentages were at the time, but I just had, I had the best people actually out there sort of doing, uh, doing my, you know, uh, playing card gambling, if you will, and then bringing back the winnings and I would share the winnings with them. It was a lot of fun. So I saw an article recently about a lady, and you'd have to go Google it because everything on the interwebs is true, but she essentially traded up, not from baseball cards, but I think it was either a bobby pin or a paper clip, and she kept trading up yeah, until she yeah, got to I, a house. Do you that. see that? that. It, was, it, it was pretty amazing, right? It was a pretty amazing story. <laughs> okay, so that's well, the foundation. at the end of the day, she didn't buy Bitcoin, you know, but well, mm, Yeah, but it has its ups and downs, so there that's you right. go. We'll see but, where we are. So that's the foundation for your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, I and think so. That, so other highlights, help, help us understand, in terms of your leadership journey, what were some of the high points, but also... Where have you grazed your knee? What were some of the the valleys along the way? So, you know, I was I was very lucky to uh, really uh, fall in with some really talented people very very early on in my uh, career. I, I I actually was a programmer uh, throughout college. Um, I was probably working you know three four days a week programming as a programmer. Um, and, uh, when I left, when I graduated, I, I took two of the engineers that I worked with and we started our own company, you know, literally the day after graduation, you know, they were, 
10 plus years older than me. Um, and uh, we really fell into some, you know, we were, the things that we were doing were really exciting and mobile and all these other things. And then I, about 10 years later, we got acquired, uh, was there for a bit. Um, and I've really been able to really learn a lot from, you know, just incredible leaders that I've, I've worked with. And so, you know, I walk around with various life rules and so many of them are actually attributed to different people that I've met uh, throughout my journey. Um, when I first got started, I started a company at the age of 21. Uh, so I, I knew nothing. Uh, that was I'm older. So 21 in those days was not a, an age you started a company. Um, so I would read a lot: Peter Drucker, Tom Peters, you know, all the all the guys who were like really the luminaries back in the, in the 90s. Um, but I continue to do that. I, I continue to read and listen to podcasts, et cetera. Um, so I, I think the uh, you know skinning the knee is is usually you know uh, goes back with the recommendation of never do it alone. You know, you always need a partner. Um, leadership is not, you know, you might see a company where there's one person, uh, they're just the face. Uh, there's never one person. There's always multiple people. There's always a team of people, uh, that that person relies on and entrusts, uh, to compensate for the things that they're not as great at. Um, so th that's, uh, that's probably a good answer to that question. Yeah. Speaking my language there, Evan, in terms of my two books, all both focus on the importance and the quality of our relationships, professional relationships in success. And I think that's the misnomer that the world of work is a team sport, uh, or the misnomer is that it's solo sport. It's all about how smart I am, but the reality is that it's a team sport. Right. I, I, I agree. It's, uh, you know, there's so much that needs to get done in a company and being able to have people that are totally aligned with your priorities, total, totally aligned with your objectives, is just you know critical to the success of that overall uh, endeavor. Life so, in general, life as well, right? Yeah, life in general. You can't be successful in either without the people around you. So tell me about the people then at Recruiter.com, because it seems to me that with the pandemic and the great resignation that is one of the many headlines that we're reading right now, this seems to be the perfect storm that I hope you and the team are, are weathering and riding, yeah, but yeah. How's, what's happening at recruiter.com? Yeah, so recruiter.com, though it sounds like it should be a very old company, um, we are, uh, I would say, just about three years old in its latest incarnation. Um, I joined the company in April of 2019 um, and put together a bunch of different companies together. Uh, and things really uh, got going really at the height of the pandemic. I became CEO in June of 2020. Um, it, just phenomenal. The talent of the people there. And we're, we really are a technology uh, platform. Uh, we're, we're a freelance marketplace for uh, independent recruiters on a global basis, uh, plus a software platform. So we have both mm -hmm. the software that helps companies uh, target, uh, passive, uh, pa uh, target passive candidates or passive talent as well as have software that enable uh, to uh, attract active candidates. So both, both software sides, the proactive and the reactive, if you will, the proactive and the passive. Uh, and then we have this on-demand platform for freelance recruiters, a marketplace for freelance recruiters. Um, so a lot of great technology people, a lot of great customer service people, client success people, marketing people, uh, product technologists, uh, salespeople, um, Really, uh, it, uh, finance people, they always get upset when I don't mention the finance people. But we really just have a phenomenal, you know, phenomenal team. Um, uh, we're about 60, 68, close to 70 people full time. And just really, I could not be happier uh, mm -hmm. with the team that we have in place. 
you know, it's unfortunate that we live in this, and, and we're actually a pretty virtual operation. We're, we're all over the country and people outside the U.S., but we operate virtual. We have a physical office in Manhattan, uh, but, uh, you know, very few of us uh, actually work in Manhattan, work in the yeah. New York area. That um, is the modern so, world. You know, it's a, it's a challenge, right? Because you have such talented people that we only see once a week at the all-hands meeting, as opposed to running into at the... Uh, uh, you know, at the uh, at the lunch area or at the coffee, uh, the, you know, uh, at the coffee yeah. coffee corner, the water cooler, whatever you want to call it. Now, it, it's hard, and I have open uh, hours and my Zoom and all these other things, but it's still uh, it's still hard. And and the answer is that we just have, you know, just a phenomenal group of people that, and everyone has their superpower, right? Everybody, you know, and I know you'd be, uh, you know, into that uh, from a leadership perspective, but that's really what we talk about. We talk about building on everyone's superpower, what are they really good at, and focusing on the things that people are really, really good at, and then bringing on people who are good at the things that we're not good at. Mm -hmm. That's really what we talk about a lot. Well, I'm glad you called out the finance team, because as somebody who spent 15 years in finance in my first career, yep, yay, the unsung, the unsung heroes the unsung of this heroes. budgeting cycle, and then it's the uh, they're usually portrayed as the villain. But you talked there about working in a distributed environment, so what is it that you and your leadership team are doing specifically, office hours being one of them, to maintain that sense of connection, especially if you've got people who've onboarded during the yeah. pandemic and may have not been to the office in Manhattan? Yeah, so we actually have a, a culture committee. So we actually yeah. have a team of people that focus on things uh, that we're doing as a company to be better at it. It's one of our objectives, be an A-plus virtual operation or virtual organization. Um, we have high fives that we give each other, you know, through our, uh, you know, through our, our software. So we're collaborative. We have different channels in Slack for random activities. Uh, we have a once a week all hands where everyone gets together. We're trying to do monthly events. Um, hopefully now that Omicron's over and we're sort of getting back to, you know, uh, we used to meet as a management team physically once a, once a month. Uh, but, you know, I'm going on the road now and hopefully I'll be seeing people uh, in, in the organization throughout the country. And we'll be doing some more in-person events. We had a group of people that got together in Las Vegas a couple of weeks ago, which was really excited. A group of people got together in New York a couple of weeks ago. So trying to do these things in clusters, not necessarily, gee, everyone fly into one central location. Let's do mm -hmm. these little pods and, and get people just mingling with each other in the real world. It's interesting, the clients that I'm working for are doing much the same and bringing people together locally and reintroducing. It's almost like re-onboarding everybody um, especially those who've never physically been in the office. And they're finding that it's actually, A, it's creating a buzz, but the potential downside is that people are leaving so hopped up and excited of meeting each other in three dimensions that it's impacting sleep and so on. But I yeah. think a planful and thoughtful way of re-onboarding as we adjust to this hybrid environment is going to be key. So it's interesting. I've been reading the headlines, obviously, with the Great Resignation. And one of the big things that people are complaining about, at least the hirers, is ghosting or the um, and the and the people looking for work having to put their information multiple times into those mysterious software platforms and again being ghosted. And it it doesn't seem that surprising to me that there is a pushback from those who may be searching for their next opportunity to some of the poor habits that companies have instituted in how they recruit talent. So what are some of the common mistakes and gripes that you're hearing and what advice do you have for leaders trying to fill those critical positions to attract and, and retain talent in these new times? 
Um, it's a great question. And, you know, I used to say the expression, you know, if a company wants you, they're going to get you. So ghosting is really from the candidate side. Let's actually stick to the company side, uh, just so we'll pick one, one, mm -hmm. uh, one point counterpoint. Um, I think companies need to recognize that leaders and companies that it is easier than ever to apply for a job, mm -hmm. right? The reason those candidates are getting ghosted is not because someone is saying, gee, I don't really want to talk to John Doe. I'm going to go not talk to them. It's that they're so inundated with applications. Think about what actually happened in the last five years. In the last five years, point, yeah, click, click to apply mm -hmm. right, has now become the norm. Yep. I could apply through LinkedIn, ZipRecruiter, Indeed, any one of those. You know, we have our own career community, all these other places. Um, I no longer am I geographically undesirable, assuming mm -hmm. it's not an in-person job. So non-factory worker, let's call a knowledge worker. Yeah, there's no longer a geographically undesirable job. Uh, interviewing is easy. It's over a 15-minute Zoom screen. So, you know, when I was a kid, uh, applying for a job meant, um, you know, printing up your resume, getting the hard copy paper to put it on typing up 20 different cover letters yes. uh, going to the post office and mailing. And if you did 20, you were probably viewed as insane, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely insane. But now let's look at it from the company's perspective. If the company posted a job in the New York times, how many applicants, which I did as a business owner in the local paper, you didn't get a thousand applicants. You probably didn't get 200 applicants. You probably got 20, 30, maybe 50. If it was something really, really good and interesting. So that sheer number of applications has just absolutely you know, grown tr tremendously. So what the leaders need to do is really ensure that their time to fill is as low as possible, mm -hmm. right? Because you have to assume that the person that you're looking at and interviewing is interviewing at 30 other places, 30, right? They're actually in at least 30 other lines mm -hmm. right now for a job. I've heard people accept a job one day and turn it down three days later. Forget the fact that I've heard people start a job and leave two days later. Let's leave that yeah. aside. But the, the time to fill, how long does it take you to fill that job? Because if you have someone in that, in that pipeline, you need to move those people through the pipeline as fast as possible. So you got to assume that this is a customer walking into your store that if you're not actually paying that person attention, they're going to leave because they have all these other places to go. Maybe think of it as like a food court. So what do I recommend? Look at your process and try to figure out how to squelch that process down to days and not weeks. Take advantage of the technology, right? It used to be, hey, look, John, you need to come in and meet with Steve. Steve's only available next Wednesday. So we'll see you next Wednesday. Steve likes you. And so he needs you to meet with Mary, but Mary's not available for two weeks. Like that doesn't work anymore. So yeah. instead, the other is also establish expectations. So, hey, John, we, we think you're great. We think you'd be a great fit for this role. Here's the process. On Monday, you're going to interview with, you know, with uh, Steve, Debbie, and friends. On Tuesday, you know, th th this is the process, and we expect to get you an offer by Friday. So here's the process. Here's what we're going to do. And by the way, if, uh, if, you know, if uh, Mary can't make the interview, record it. Let her see the interview. Let her weigh in on the comments. Move those mm -hmm. people through the process as fast as possible. Um, Ooh, there's a, a unique idea, even just recruit, recording the interview for others to watch right. and potentially provide a perspective. That's right. And then, you know, we're also seeing the, the whole thing, the whole process needs to happen faster. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so you ought to look at, you know, your leaders ought to look at a candidate comes in, if they're screened, talk about it like a lead, right? If a, if a lead came in, you wouldn't want your salespeople waiting two weeks to talk, to talk to that lead. That lead's finished. You want to have an SLA, a service level agreement, that when a lead comes in, someone's going to talk to that lead within one business day. Well, if a candidate comes in that they want to be screened immediately or filtered out, does it look good or not? Yes or no? Great. Move them through the process. Move them through the process. The other problem that you start to see is that leaders tend to say, well, this person's really good, but maybe there's someone better. Maybe if I wait another minute or two, I'll find someone Uh better. My answer is get both. Right, mm-hmm. You should be perpetually hiring. You should be perpetually looking at candidates. Now, maybe you can't afford to hire three people for the same role, but all right, so you hired the first person. You know what? You could drag out the second person for 30 days and see if the first person's not working or not. You got to be able to make decisions faster. We're just, everything we're doing now is faster. We're I love that. Click, yeah. We're one-click checkouts. We're doing everything faster. Well, your recruiting process, your hiring process should not be the same way you were doing things five years ago in today's day and age. And, and I'll give you one great example. Um, if you look at college applications, right? When I, mm-hmm. when you were not, when I was a kid, you typed <laughs> up your application, right? You typed up your application and you sent it in. And if you did three, it was exhausting, absolutely mm-hmm. exhausting. Today they have uh, common applications. It's click, 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 and go. Do you think that the admissions office at state universities has the same number of people in process as they had from 20 years ago. Not even close, not even close. They have, they have, why? Because there's so many more people applying to these universities that they've morphed along the way there. Well, guess what? For your leaders and listeners, that's changed in the last five years. So your process needs to absolutely change. So that brings me to metrics because you've talked there about time to hire. And often when I'm working with clients, I'm not sure that they're paying attention to the right things. So what are those core metrics that the successful um, organizations are looking at? Yeah, so time to hire is uh, is a very important one. And I would do that by role. So mm-hmm. your salespeople, how long is it taking you to fill a role in sales? How long is it taking you to fill an engineering role? How long are these things taking? And look at them, You know, track them, see how long this is actually taking. How long has this job been open? Um, what's our process there? And actually have a have a discussion about it. Have a regular, you know, HR conversation. Um, you know, for for the smaller businesses, I think the recognition, and it's not just the smaller businesses, we predicted in in December that the US economy, and this is really just everybody, is gonna spend more money on talent and retention in tw- in 2022 than they did in 2019. It's just a fact. We're gonna mm-hmm. be spending more money on it. Um, so brace yourselves for that overall process. I would be sitting down once a week and having a conversation about the people that you have in the company. Who's staying? Who's going? What's the plan for each person? Is that working? Well, how are we going to ensure that these people aren't leaving? Because the churn, right, the voluntary churn is going to be higher than you've ever expected. And I love that because it moves from being reactive, which is what often happens with recruitment, a surprise when somebody quits. Whereas, no, if you've been having a dialogue with me, A, I might feel connected and not choose to leave, but also you might get warnings so you can put plans in place. So moving from reactive to proactive. Totally agree. But I'll give you another one. You know, not too long ago, if you came into my office and asked me for a promotion and a raise and I gave it all to you, I would say, great, I'm good for a year. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to bother talking to you for a year about that. Guess what? Three months from now, you're looking again because it's just so easy. 
it's just so easy to look for jobs today. Yeah. So the people using your platform, what are they asking for? As you think beyond 22 and so forth, what are your predictions then for this whole talent transition and talent acquisition environment? First of all, you know, we launched a program called My Recruiter. It's a new offering. You can go to uh, start.recruiter.com. It is a a great service for small businesses and business owners to have what an on-demand recruiter, uh, you know, at your at your bequest or your you know at your behalf, right? You need someone mm-hmm. who's going to uh, represent you and help you uh, handle your talent, whether that's uh, ten hours a week with whatever you need, or just building a pipeline of specific roles that you're looking for, or even executive level recruiting. We do that all under the My Recruiter brand. Um, I think it's the cat's meow. I think it's going to be a great service. Uh, an on-demand recruiter starts at like $500 a week. So for $500 a week, you're getting a, you know, a, a, a real certified talent acquisition professional who's there to help you. The same way that if you needed uh, accounting services, you might not hire a full-time accountant, but you're going to have access to an account that's going to help you out. You need legal assistance. You might not hire a full-time general counsel, but you have an attorney that you can call to help you with your legal matters. We believe the same thing's going to happen in talent acquisition and retention, and we're prepared uh, with a great service for our clients for that. And we think that's going to be a huge, huge new segment uh, going into, uh, you know, for the rest of the year and into 23. At the same time, I think companies are recognizing that they need a constant pipeline. You know, let's go back to that restaurant. If I said to the restaurant owner, how many customers do you ha- do you need? Restaurant owner would say as many as you can get. Mm-hmm. Like I need a perpetual source of new customers. Okay. Every company needs a perpetual source of something, whether it's, you know, uh, sales associates, uh, to business development professionals, to engineers, to uh, auditors, to CPAs, to designers, whatever you need. Think about, you know, if you're if you're a company of 30 people used to and you were growing and you had uh, three people quitting, you know, three people quitting every year and you didn't even want to grow. You were hiring one person every uh, every four months. Right. Yep. OK, so that's not that big of a deal. But if that number is now six. If six people, if you're going to double that, meaning you're hiring a person every other month, which means every month you're actually going through candidates, you're hiring a person. Mm-hmm. Going through candidates, hiring a person. Going through that's a very, very, very time, uh, a, a very serious time, timely process. And one, imagine if you, let's assume you did your own tax return, right? Well, oh, yeah. Tax, a tax return is once a year, mm-hmm. right? Let's just assume a tax return is once a year. What if you had to do a tax return every other month? Does anyone have the time to do that? No one has the time to do that. You could do it. No one has the time. And that's the service that we're able to provide to companies large and small. So in that, you demonstrated your entrepreneurial spirit and ideas don't look like they're slowing down. But I'm curious, in terms of your personal leadership journey, then, what is it that you are focused on in refining? You've already successful because of who you are and what you do. Yeah. What's going to get you and your organizations to that next level? So, um, uh, it's, again, fantastic question. Um, you know, if you ask me what my skill set is, um, I, I have a few, um, not a lot, just a few. I, I'm really good at running a ball down the field. I'm like, yeah. I'm really good sort of deciding what's the play? How do we move the ball down the field? Go from step A to step B to step B to step C, step C to step D. And many mistakes that I've seen myself make and others is, you know, everyone knows what every, everyone's at stage A <clears throat> and stage Z is global domination. Whatever, yeah. whatever you're in, oh, we're going to have the giant hockey stick curve. We're going to, 
you know, everyone knows what that looks like. That's not the challenge. The challenge is how do you go from A to B, B to C, C to D, D to E. And, and the missteps are when you jump too quickly. The misstep is, gee, I thought I was at B and I'm going to C. I actually defined something that's really a stage E. We can't do that yet. Yeah. And getting clarity on and being able to stop quickly and say, hey, look, let's readjust and let's get to B. You know, I had a, I had a great, uh, uh, great, uh, great boss for a couple of years who said, you know, great line. Uh, you know, you don't build a penthouse first. You're building a building. You don't start with the penthouse. You start with the first floor, then the second floor, then the third floor. You know, there's a foundation and a process to everything, and that really teaches you there's a there's an order to everything, and <laughs> there's a process to everything. And the more clarity that you can have uh, in terms of what does that next step look like. And by the way, from a leadership perspective, I usually. Will will classify people as in can they do they know that they're that they're in the wrong do they do they know the next step to take do they know there's a problem in the step that they're in do they know what path to take like and the more the higher you get the higher up you get the better you should be able to define the position you're in today and the position you need to be and how to get there. Okay, Evan, I appreciate this whirlwind introduction to you and your leadership journey to date. Wish you ongoing success. How can the listeners or the viewers of this episode learn more about my recruiter and the business? Sure. So you can just go to recruiter.com. Uh, everything's there. It's a great URL. So feel free to go to recruiter.com. Uh, you can reach out to me at evan at recruiter.com. Or if you're interested uh, specifically on the my recruiter offering, you can go to start.recruiter.com. We It's got its own microsite landing page specifically to that offering. Okay, we'll make sure that all of that information is in the show notes. But Evan, thank you for being my guest on People First. Thank you so much for having me. And I look forward to catching up with you in a couple of months. Thank you so much for joining Morag today. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. If you learned something worth sharing, share it. Cultivate your relationships today when you don't need anything before you need something. Be sure to follow Sky Team and Morag on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you have any ideas about topics we should tackle, interviews we should do, or if you yourself would like to be on the show, drop us a line at info at skyteam.com. That's S-K-Y-E team.com. Thanks again for joining us today. And remember, business is personal and relationships matter. We are your allies.